into sports. 20 yards out, Ursa shoot, don't shoot! Oh, oh what a goal for Fabinho! Wow! Then get into the all new OTB Sports app. I think when he apologises to me, I probably will say hello to him, yeah. No. Videos, sports news, live scores, interviews. If Abregas is going to come up to me in the street and give me some of a mouth that he would have given me on a football pitch, what do we get a slap? Plus, exclusive content on the OTB Podcast Network. The biggest names in sports. Ready when you are. Search OTB Sports on your app store and download it now. The OTB Podcast Network. Football on Off The Ball. With Paddy Power. Fueling the mischief in the beautiful game. Gamble responsibly. See Dunlewy.net. You're very welcome back to Off The Ball. Willow Callaghan sitting in for Nathan on this Thursday evening. Latest from the Europa League. Arsenal have just scored a second goal against Molde, so the Gunners are on course to qualify for the knockout stages of the Europa League. That is in Dundalk's group. Dundalk play against Rapid Vienna at 8pm at the Aviva Stadium. Leicester continue to trail Braga by two goals to one, and Celtic are also 2-1 down away to Sparta Prague. All three of those games have got about 12 minutes left. They were the five to six kickoffs this evening. But delighted to say uh, we're now joined by Republic of Ireland football legend Johnny Giles. John, how are you getting on? I'm good, Will, thank you. Uh, Maradona passed away uh, yesterday morning, John. Uh, we were chatting a bit earlier on. You played a couple of times against him uh, with a League of Ireland selection and also when he came to Dublin in 1979. So Maradona would have been 18 and 19 years of age, respectively, in those games. You were at yeah. kind of a crossroads. You were coming towards the end of his career. His was only starting out. Yeah. Was it obvious at the start, John, when you saw him when he came on in those games that he was going to be a really good player? Or what did you make of the teenage Maradona? first time I played against him was we had a League of Ireland team going over to play the Argentinian full team uh, before the World Cup in the preparation for them in 1978 and he came on in the second half Will. but actually I don't remember him on the night I was too worried <laughs> actually about the result at that time when we went to, to Argentina at that time I didn't know we were playing the Argentinian full team with the League of Ireland team, to be quite honest. So we, we, we were beaten 3-1, which was a miracle result for us. He came on in the second half, but I don't remember making, making any impression on it. I remember him in Dublin the following year. Actually, that was, it was my last match for Ireland at the time, and he came on in the second half. And I remember coming, near, coming in the edge of the box where he's on his left foot, pushed her inside, and he hit one about 20 yards out and nearly broke the crossbar. So... You could tell that this fella could really play, but he wasn't well known at that time, Will. You know, yeah, he was just he was just coming on. And I suppose he was unlucky in a way, John, that he was coming through in 1978. Obviously, in a squad for a friendly game in the preparation, but yes. wasn't quite kind of at that first team level. He probably just about missed out on what could have been his first World Cup medal if he'd maybe been a few months older. Well, I believe he was very, very narked about it, Will. He thought he should have been in the team in '78 for the World Cup in '78. And maybe he should. He wasn't, he wasn't, I don't think he was even in the squad. <clears throat> so I think I, I remember reading about it afterwards. He was really, really narked about that at that particular time. I'd say he was, probably was good enough. I mean, they, they had a new manager coming in uh, and probably felt, well, he's a little bit too young yet. I don't know. I, I mean, uh, I, I only saw him in, against us. And I, I, he was a very, very young lad. But I know, I read afterwards that he was very, very annoyed uh, about not being in the squad for the World Cup. In 78. Yeah, three years later he'd go on to be the world record signing when he eventually left Argentina uh, to mm. go to Barcelona. It was maybe Napoli before we saw the best of his club football in Europe. But um, 
when you think about it, John, you're going through 1986, I watched the documentary again, which came out about a year ago, it was on last night on More 4, and just one of the things that really stands out is you look at that 1986 World Cup, you know, at a time when, you know, not a huge amount of football was on TV outside of, say, the World Cup where you got blanket TV coverage. I've never known a player to ever light up a tournament in the same way that Maradona lit up that tournament in Mexico, where he was the standout player by a million miles. A million miles. And, uh, you know, playing in, playing in an Argentinian side, which wasn't the best, but obviously he had the ability to raise the level and do it on his own. Well, that's what I think. I mean, I, 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 I've written down a few names here of the players that were great. You know, Messi, Ronaldo, Di Stefano, Puskas, Cruyff, Jimmy Greaves, Dennis Law, Georgie Best, and Pele. And I would say, looking at them all and having seen them all and played against most of them all, I'd say he was probably the best of them, Will. And the reason I'm saying that is that, you know, there's a thing in football, I've always said on, 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 this, on your program, you know, you're only as good as the players around you. But he actually played in a team in Naples and in Argentina that weren't that good. But he was, he was like, Pele was great at what he did. So was Messi, Ronaldo. Uh, but this fella could actually dribble the ball from a distance from goal better than any. In other words, he could do it on his own. Like Pele, for example, needed people. He was a great finisher. Uh, so was Ronaldo. Uh, and they, they've had people to make the goals for him. This guy actually could do it on his own. And what epitomizes him is the, the, the goal he scored. A lot of people, the football people, will remember him scoring the goal against England uh, where he got on the ball in his own half and ran through the whole defense. Now, I don't think any of the players that I mentioned, those great players, were capable of doing that on their own, you know? And this guy could make it on his own. He's balanced, he's dribbling, he's speed, he's, 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 he's great, obviously put his colleagues through, wasn't selfish. So that's why I would probably, probably put him at the top of that list. Well, especially as well when it comes to that goal against England, John, you know, special as it is, and everyone's been you're re-listening to the multiple brilliant commentaries of that goal in the quarterfinal against England mm. in 86. The magnificent thing is that he goes on in the next round in a semi-final against Belgium and scores a goal that probably would be far better remembered if it hadn't been for the England goal. But again, yeah. you know, a weaving run and a fantastic finish at the end of yeah. it as well. It wasn't just yeah. a one-off goal. This was Maradona in 86 at the absolute peak of his powers. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, he could score that goal, which would look easier, you know. And, and maybe Messi could, maybe Messi, Messi and Ronaldo at the best could do that, and Pele at the best could do that. But I, I've never seen any of them do what he did against England and dribble from his own half into the penalty area, into past people and score. You know, and he, and he was capable of doing that. That's why I say, like, uh, and I'm not being disrespect, don't be disrespect to Ronaldo mm. and, and Di Stefano and, and, and even Pele. They needed people. They were strikers that needed people to, to lay it on for them. It might be a difficult one to get headers and all like that. But Maradona didn't need anybody. He could, he could actually do it on his own. And I know I'm laboring the point a little bit, but I haven't seen anybody else do it. Messi is a great dribbler. And he can beat players. Uh, but I've never seen anybody do it from the distance out that Maradona could do it, either to score a goal for his, on his own or to make a goal. And as you said, the two goals in those particular matches in the World Cup in '86 were exceptional. You know, particularly everybody remembers the goal against England from his own half, 
dribbling mm. in, going past, going past the kip, everything. I, I've never seen Messi do that. I've never seen Pele do that, or any of the great players that I've spoken about before do what he was capable of doing. And I think that's how he he raised the Napoli team the way he did. I they, weren't, they weren't the great players around him. You know what I mean, Will? Yeah, yeah. No, but he made them better because he could do it on an individual basis. He wasn't dependent on them in any way. Like like Pele had to depend on people making, getting up the ball up to him and, and Ronaldo the same. And these were great players, obviously. But Maradona didn't need that. He could do it on his own. And what I think makes the move to Napoli in the mid-1980s all the more impressive as well, John, is that he goes to a very unfancy team. He's become a legend. They're probably going to rename his stadium, as Richie has mentioned, the news round after him now at this point. But could you ever imagine somebody who is considered to be the best in the world right now? Like Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't leaving Manchester United to join an unfancy team in a different league. Mm. He was going to Real yeah. Madrid. When Leo Messi leaves Barcelona next summer, he's going to be joining a big club. When Neymar left Barcelona, he went to Paris Saint-Germain. There's something quite unique about the idea of Maradona. You know, this wonderful player who's a World Cup winner in 1986 going to a small team in Italy where Juventus are dominating things and then turning them into double winners of Serie A and winners of the uh, old UEFA Cup, as it was called at the time. Yeah. There's something kind of special about the fact that he did that. He went to a team and transformed them. Oh, totally. That's what I say. I mean, I, I have great respect for, for, for Pele and the great players that I mentioned, Ronaldo. I don't think it, that the players I mentioned could have done what he did, right, at, at, uh, at Naples. Because... Uh, Ronaldo, obviously, and, and Pelé were great finishers, particularly, but they depended on people getting the ball to them. Whereas when he went to, to Naples, he wasn't dependent on his teammates, who were, who were average. He did it on his own and was capable of doing it on, dribbling from his own half, making goals, scoring goals. I don't think any of the players that I mentioned there, who were great, great players, could do what he, he do. That's what he, he did. That's why I would separate him from the best and I don't mean to be disrespecting any way to the players that I mentioned, because they were all great players. But I don't think any of them could do individually what he could do. Yeah, I think as well, John, there's two reasons people seem to love Maradona. Kind of those who grew up at a time when maybe 1986 was the time they started watching football, understandably, he was the big star of that World Cup and mm. everyone was interested in him as a result. But I think there's kind of two other sides to it. The fact he's such a flawed character, you know, given the issues that he had with cocaine and the ban that he copped afterwards and the fact that he wasn't the kind of good boy, clean image footballer makes him more interesting maybe than some other footballers. And the other reason I think people love him, John, is that he plays the game in such a beautiful way that it's hard not to like a player who has that kind of natural skill. Yeah, well, I think what, what he's been uh, honoured for, I, mean, I think it's a, a three-day uh, break in, in Argentina, was for, for, was for what he did as a footballer, Will. There's no doubt about that, because other aspects of his life off the pitch uh, wouldn't have been as attractive to, to a lot of people as his attractiveness as a player. There's no doubt. He had a lot of flaws. I think he, he, he admitted that himself. You know, he, was, he, had, he had a drug problem. I think he had a drinks problem. Uh, you know, so he, 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 he didn't have, after he finished playing football, a very attractive life. But luckily enough, people do remember him in Argentina and around the world for what he did as a footballer. And no matter what he did or had his faults off the pitch, at the beauty that he brought to, to the game and to people watching him uh, will never be forgotten. John, I'm sorry again for us to be talking about another of your former teammates that's passed away this week, but Morris Setters, who 
you know, has a great place in Irish football fans' hearts because of his time as number two to Jack Charlton during yeah. the fantastic adventures we had in the uh, late 80s and early 90s. Uh, Morris would have played alongside you, John, with Manchester United, you know, after the Busby Babes and everything that happened there. He would have been on your team in 1963 that won the FA Cup. Yes, he was, yeah. I played with, played with Morris. I think Morris came to Old Trafford around about 19, say, 59, 60. And I left in 63. So I played with Morris for, for three years, uh, including the, uh, the, 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 the FA Cup in 1963. Actually, that was my last competitive match for Manchester United at that, at that particular time. But I played with Morris. Morris came from West Brom, uh, and he was a tough, a tough player, Morris. And uh, he, he was extremely good in the air. Actually, in the, in the cup final, he, he dropped into the back four. Alongside Bill Folks, and he was—he was—he wasn't particularly big, big fella, but he was very good in the air, good tackler, uh, and he was—he was—he could get stuck in, uh, Morris. What do you think it was about Morris's character that attracted Jack Charlton to bringing him in as an assistant? Then, I think Jack knew him from playing, maybe, maybe I sorry, management in Sheffield Wednesday. In that, um, I think that's where they 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 they, they got together, uh, and obviously Jack saw something in Morris that would be. Good for the for the camp, uh, and and obviously shared with Jack a very successful time. So I think his judgment was right there. Unfortunately, Morris has, has had I think he had uh, Alzheimer's yeah. for the last few years. Uh, I, I I haven't seen him for a long time, but I know he wasn't well at all. Well, may he rest in peace. Sad to lose yes. both him and Jack in such quick succession over the last uh, few months. Uh, we're yes. gonna, John's going to stay with us. When we come back after the break, we'll look forward to this weekend's football, including our live game on Off the Ball. That is a London derby between Chelsea and Spurs. Spurs sitting high at the top of the Premier League. And we'll have a look back at this week's Champions League as well after this break. Football on Off the Ball with Paddy Power. Fueling the mischief in the beautiful game. Gamble responsibly. CWE.net. Welcome back to Off the Ball on this Thursday evening. It is four wins, some four for Arsenal in the Europa League. They've won 3 0 away from home against Molde. Celtic have been hit for four in their game against Sparta Prague. The Czech side have won 4 1 against Neil Lennon's side. And Leicester, deep in injury time, are 3 2 down against Braga. Dundalk, Rangers, and Tottenham are in action in the next hour. John Giles is still here with us as well. And uh, John, our live game and off the ball this coming Sunday, we've got first against third in the Premier League. It is Spurs against Chelsea. Jose Mourinho going back to his old stomping ground in Stamford Bridge. Uh, Spurs have been pretty impressive in the last few weeks. Uh, that uh, fantastic 2-0 win against Man City last weekend. Do we start to see Spurs as realistic title contenders, John? Um, well, I, I think to be there or thereabouts, uh, uh, Will, I don't fancy them. Actually, I looked at uh, uh, Chelsea the other night. I think Chelsea are more impressive, actually, than Spurs. I think they've come on. They're not giving goals away. They're scoring goals. They look they look very, very good the other night in the uh, Champions League match. Uh, and is it at home or away? Where are they? Uh, Chelsea would be at home, John. So it's uh, Mourinho yeah. going back to Sanford Bridge. Yeah, well, I fancy Chelsea. Mm. What I think Spurs have come on. Uh, but I, I, I think I think Chelsea uh, have better players than and and, and I think he's tightened up the defence there, uh, Frank Lampard, uh, much better than 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 they have been in the early part of the season. Yeah, pretty crucial. I think Thiago Silva's probably. Be a good game. Be a good game. Uh, definitely. 
I was just thinking in terms of Mourinho as well, John. You know, it's not that long ago you know, when restart was coming around and I appreciate that Sun Hyung Min was injured at the time and Harry Kane was injured, but as they were getting ready to go into that kind of lockdown period, Spurs were looking very shaky. Uh, even getting into the Europa League looked like an achievement at the end of the season. But this year, you know, since they've come back into the new season, Jose Mourinho has looked a bit more like the Jose Mourinho of old. You know, even kind of dispatching Pep Guardiola last weekend felt like Mourinho of a few years ago when there was that feeling out there that maybe he was a busted flush and was finished as a top manager. Well, that happens in football, you know. A few, a few, a few months ago, he was a bum. He was, he was, he was old-fashioned and he'd gone past it and all the various things that you hear. But he's only there a year, uh, Will, you know. And, and it takes time. Like, if you look at Klopp, I think Klopp was there four years before he really got it right. So it takes a bit of time. I think he has improved them. Uh, I think there's room for improvement from, from where he is. Uh, and he's, he's, I, I don't think it, it, any, any manager loses their magic, uh, Will. They go to different clubs. Or they, they, they have a few injuries. I mean, look at Guardiola now. I think Manchester City are, are, are way, way back from, from some of the other clubs this year. Now, only two or three years ago, he was top of the, top of the pile. But since then, company's gone. David Silva's gone. Fernandinho is not playing like he did. Aguero is gone. So you have to replace those players. And it's very, very difficult to do so. So I don't think Pep Guardiola is any worse manager than he was three or four years ago. These are, these are circumstances that come about. And I think Mourinho's like that. I don't think Mourinho has changed. He's gone to different clubs. Uh, there's different, different uh, situations everywhere you go. He had a bad time at Manchester United. Uh, now he's gone to Spurs, and he seems to be doing a good job there. But I don't think he loses the class and drive that he had when he was at Chelsea. That, these things happen in football. And it's, it's, it, I think he's the same Mourinho. Uh, he's had a bit of time now at Spurs, 12 months, uh, to get it going his way. And he, I think he has gone his way. But are they good enough to, to, to win the league? But I don't think so. Yeah, time will tell, particularly when Liverpool get their defence back from injury. Yes. Uh, you mentioned Guardiola there, John. He signed that two-year contract on Friday afternoon. Is the first time ever he's going to go beyond five seasons at a club. He left Barcelona after mm. five, didn't get past five with Bayern Munich when he decided to move to Man City. Mm. So it's a new departure. And he has a rebuild job on. You know, when you think about it this year, when Sergio Aguero has not been available while he was injured, they've struggled for goals. They've never really kind of fixed the defence over the last couple of seasons. Uh, David Silva is a massive miss for them now in midfield too. I'm sure they're going to back him with money uh, when it comes to the January window and maybe mm. into next summer. But... Guardiola's probably got the most difficult time of all of his period in England coming up now as he tries to rebuild this team, John, and we've seen their poor form this season. Yeah, well, it happens. Well, you know, it doesn't last forever when you have these successful team. And I mentioned the players. I mean, he's lost at least four of those players who were vital players to him. And it's hard to, it's hard to replace them. Uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't last forever, it, it, it's success. And when you lose the players that he lost, then... He's got to replace them, and it's very, very difficult to do so. But what you find with him over the, as you say, he only stayed at clubs for a certain period of time. And uh, like a lot of managers and a lot of people in football would, would believe that's the way to do it, Will. You know, stay at a club four years, five years, because the next club you go to, in particular in, from in his situation, you know, he was successful at Barcelona, he was okay at Germany. But when he was going to Manchester City, he was able to lay down conditions that he wanted and could get. 
because a lot of managers in clubs now, they're like head coaches. They're not, they're not in charge of the buying and selling of players. And I think if you make the reputation that he made for himself at Barcelona, then the next job he went to, to be down to have him, and Manchester City were down to have him, and he could make his own uh, uh, situation there and demands, if you call it demands, to be in charge of the situation. So a lot of managers would say in football, a lot of people I know in football that I would respect, like Big Jack, for example, when he was going into Middlesbrough, going into management, I remember him telling me, he said, never stay any longer than three years at a club. Mm. And he didn't. At Middlesbrough, he was in the second division. They got promotion. I think they finished seventh in the first division in his first year and eighth the next year. And the supporters were getting a bit impatient. You know, that happens. You know, eating bread is soon forgotten. You know, when you do a job at a club and then you don't do it as well, like, like in Guardiola's case, now, not doing so well, then you're going to be, you're going to be treated by, 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 the, by the various highest of standards. So if you look at uh, Guardiola's place, if he'd left last year, say, for or the year before, after three or four years, he'd have got a top job somewhere else in the world. Yeah. Now, this is a different subject, I know it will, but that's, what, that's, that's football. If you stay at a club too long, you, 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 look at the lad at uh, Eddie Howe at Bournemouth, for example. Right? He, he did perform miracles for at least five seasons. And then he has one bad season, and he's gone. Whereas if he had left three, after three years of doing a good job for, for Bournemouth, then he'd get a better job somewhere with a better chance of success. That's the way it works. Now, I know I'm going on to a, a different subject. So I'm surprised in certain ways, to go back to Guardiola, that he, that he has extended his contract by two years. It just goes to show, though, as well, John, I'm thinking like how impressive it is what Alex Ferguson achieved, you know, to be able to have the oh, longevity yeah. of 20-plus seasons, to rebuild his team three yes. or four times. You, know, you played yes. under Matt Busby, who had to have two or three great teams. Don Revy, you know, who had to recycle teams as well. It just yes. goes to show how impressive their runs were to be able to, you know, continue to squeeze ability out of the players that they have and to be able to rebuild over such a long course of time. Definitely. Definitely. It was, it, they, they, these are the great managers who did what they did. You know, Shankly started at Liverpool and then, then uh, it was carried on uh, by the new manager. can't think of his name at the moment. Uh, anyway, they, 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 they built a dynasty for the next 20 years. Mm. Now, Shankly started that. Building the foundations is sometimes the hardest part. Like when Shankly went to Liverpool, they were in the second division, and he built them to where he was. That when, when, when he left, he'd won six major trophies, five or six major trophies for Bob. Uh, Bob Paisley, uh, Bob Paisley, Bob Paisley to take over. Gone, yeah. And, you know, like, and, of course, he did a great job from there, but the, but the foundations had been made. In Alex Ferguson's case, if you go back, it took him three years and almost got the sack before he was able to start winning matches. And then he went on from there, which was remarkable to do what he did for, for about 20 years or 20-odd years. That's remarkable uh, in management. But he changed, his, he changed his side quite a bit, as we know, which you have to do as you go along. Like in, in Guardiola's case, you know, he, he, he got to the stage where he had to change the side. And so far, he, he hasn't successfully replaced the people that, that won the trophies for him. Yeah, it's a big rebuild job that's on. It's a big rebuild job, definitely. John, definitely. thanks a million for joining us on this Thursday for uh, remembering Maradona and Morris particularly. We'll speak to you again next week. Yeah.
Thanks, Will. Thank you. All right, we're heading towards the uh, news at 8 o'clock. Just before we go, a reminder of those results from the Europa League. Sparta Prague uh, beating Celtic by four goals to one. Leicester got a late equaliser, very late equaliser, to draw three all. And a win for Arsenal away from home against Molde by three goals to nil. We'll be back just the far side of eight. Football on Off The Ball. With Paddy Power. Fueling the mischief in the beautiful game. Gamble responsibly. See dunlewy.net.